Welcome to the Broadcasters Roundtable here on Flyers Radio 24-7. Welcome into another episode of Broadcasters Roundtable. I'm Brian Smith. Guys will be with us in just a moment. Real quick, though, we're going to touch on our Flyers win of the month brought to you by the Pennsylvania Lottery. Play to win online. Play Pennsylvania Lottery games online for cash prices. Sign up today at palottery.com and get a $500 first-time deposit bonus. Players must be 18 or older. Please play responsibly. Benefits older Pennsylvanians every day. Our win of the month for the month of February was February the 24th. The New York Rangers came to the Wells Fargo Center to take on the Flyers. And at the time, the Flyers were, and they had uh, still some guys on the COVID list that were unable to play. And they were coming off two games where they had seven players on the COVID list, unable to play the previous week's game against the Rangers on the 18th, and then the uh, trip to Lake Tahoe on the 21st that was played in front of a beautiful setting but definitely had its share of curveballs. In all honesty, the Flyers' lineup for those two games in a lot of ways mirrored what you might see in a preseason game. A lot of NHL guys in the uh, top six forwards and some uh, some AHL depth in the bottom six forwards for both of those games. So the Flyers did have a, a very valiant effort in both of those contests. They did manage a shootout point in the first game against the Rangers. But they came back on the 24th and were able to get a 4-3 win over the Blue Shirts at the Wells Fargo Center. Again, despite not having quite a full lineup, they were able to break that losing streak and get themselves on a little bit of a momentum swing that took them into Buffalo, where they were able to shut out the Sabres two straight with most of their lineup starting to come back for those games. And anytime you're in a season like this where – the games are all very, very compressed, number one. And number two, they're all against opponents in your division where every game is really a four-point game in terms of playoff implications. It was a big thing for the Flyers to get those two points in that game on the 24th and kind of slow things down and make sure they didn't get themselves on a too long of a skid. So that's our win of the month brought to you by the Pennsylvania Lottery, 4-3 over the Rangers. Now let's head on to the Broadcasters' Roundtable. Here's Tim Saunders. Well, they've survived their first real COVID scare. Flyers are healthy again for actually one of the few times this season. They continue their three-game trip in Pittsburgh as the third month of the season begins. With our latest Broadcasters' Roundtable, Tim Saunders with Jim Jackson, Steve Coates, and Bill Meltzer. Guys, the Flyers were hit about as hard as any other team in the league with this COVID stuff. Uh, it looks like they're through the worst of it, and uh, unfair as it may have been to have to play without six regulars, the reality is they just got to deal with the circumstances that we're all dealing with. Uh, Jimmy, I'm hesitant to be critical of the league uh, as it relates to forcing the Flyers to play coming out of that uh, COVID scare. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're running out of racetrack, right? They, they don't want to go deep, deep into the summer. In fact, because of television constraints, they can't because of the Olympics and NBC and all that. So they, they, they can't just keep delaying and delaying. They've got to get these games in. And I, I suspect that if any team gets hit pretty hard the rest of the way, they're going to have the same situation. They're going to have to play games really shorthanded. I, I think everybody's kind of adjusting to me to the, the thought process. I mean, I think we as humans have done this. Uh, and I think now the, the league and the players are that it's just one of those years where you're going to get a lot of obstacles. You're going to have a lot of things pop up. The Penguins have to find out that Sydney Crosby, the day of game, isn't going to play. You have to find you're just going to have to roll with the punches. There's going to be a lot of them. And the Flyers certainly were dealt their fair share. And I, I think they got through that stretch pretty well now that they're back to full strength. Now that they've got to you know get the wins. But uh, during the time where they were partially shorthanded, I thought they did fairly well. Coatsy, the NHL has always been a no-excuse league. 
tough to have to go to Tahoe to play the tough Boston Bruins in the circumstances they were faced with, but no excuses. Uh, they got to get the games in. Well, you know, and I think that was the reason that there's a taxi squad. I think that was why, you know, you have that availability to be able to call on other people so that we don't lose any time. That certainly is like a long way to go to lose two points. Probably in thinking back now, you just send in the two points and save on the meal money and the, fo- and the, the airplane. <laughs> I say that in, in humor. But, you know, I think the hardest thing for me to understand, and not understand, I mean, the, the players and what they have to go through right now on the road, I think people should really appreciate. It's not an easy thing. You get off the plane, you go to the practice rink, then you go to your room, and that's it. I mean, you have the food delivered to your room, you have a, a, a gathering area, and then you go to the game. I That's part of the playing hockey or any professional sport is the atmosphere of being with your team and going out to dinner and, and, and enjoying what you're doing. This is hell for these guys, and I think people should really understand it's it's really tough. Coatsy, this this would have been uh... – if, if I can think of a lifestyle that is anti-Steve Coach, this would be it. <laughs> it is, yes, you're exactly correct. And picture picture Coatsy on the road and having to stay in his room. Wouldn't happen. <laughs> no That's chance. When the NHL said if I was going to break protocol in Lake Tahoe, that I would be sent home. Well, I would have been home. <laughs> <laughs> Billy, a lot was made of uh, how difficult the players had it in the bubble in Toronto, in Edmonton, it's not as that bad, but it's it's sure not ideal. I think Coatsy's right. I don't think we've uh, recognized the challenges quite to the extent that maybe we should. Sure, and look at what the Flyers are doing this week, right? Three games in Pittsburgh in the same week consecutively. That's something that's never happened before in franchise history in the regular season. Back when they used to go 2-3-2 two, two in the playoffs, you would have that. But, you know, but it, so it's it's one city, and at least there's some bands in the stands, so there's a little bit of atmosphere now. But, I mean, that's, uh, that you know, that's tough. To, to, go in, to go into one building, play a team three straight times, that's uh, that's a taller no matter who you're playing. And, um you know, I, I think that that's, that's an ongoing adjustment. To me, though, one of the things that I'm still trying to figure out is, you know, like when San Jose had had hurdle test positive on the, on the day of a game, that game was postponed. And Keanu test positive on the day of the game in Philly, that game goes on. And, um, you know, and I get, I you know, I realize that the Flyers already have all those games postponed and there's, there's ancillary stuff, too, as to the level of concern there might be subsequent, you know, positive tests or whatnot. But I, but I think that, that the potential for interruption, you know, is still there. If you have multiple players test positive on, on a game day, it can still happen. And that's, that's just part of the reality that players are going to have to deal with for the, for the rest of the season. Um, you know, whether you ultimately end up going to a situation where they have looking at points percentage just because there may be dates that can't be made up. You know, I mean, it's just it's just going to be a fluid thing and you're going to have to roll with the punches. Yeah, you're right. They're going to run out of runway if uh, other teams are facing long de- delays. You know, before we put the outdoor game completely in the rearview mirror, I do want to talk a little bit about Tahoe because obviously it didn't go without a hitch. Um, and maybe the league was criticized in some circles for that. But guys, I'm really reluctant to, to take that approach. Um, I, I got a chance to talk to Gary Bettman before the uh, Flyers game Sunday against uh, Boston. And I told him it, it reminded me of Ed Snyder's approach all those many years. His approach was always, don't be afraid to try things. Take some risk 
And if something doesn't work, you recognize it, you acknowledge it, you fix it, and you move on. And I give kudos to the NHL for taking that approach. No, I, I mean, I, when you look at uh, the success in general of the outdoor games, starting with the Winter Classic, I mean, the NHL took a risk doing that. You know, the first game in Buffalo. I mean, a lot of people I remember, it's easy now. We look back, oh God, it's a great, great event. There were a lot, there's a lot of risk there. The weather, and it always there always is because of the weather. So uh it, it never up, never in, as they say. If 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 you don't take chances and, and try to think out of the box, you're never gonna be uh successful. You're not going to be groundbreaking. And and the NHL to in, in my mind, they did a spectacular job with the bubble last year. This year it's a different animal because they, they couldn't put all the players into a bubble for the whole year. So they have to have them moving and, and they wanted to, I think, spice it up a little bit with some outdoor games. I mean, the shots, Timmy, you were there, but I mean, the shots on TV looked amazing. Um, it, it potentially would have been a spectacular success, but it wasn't because of uncontrollable things. And that's always a risk you run with these outdoor games, but I think it's worth it because these outdoor games have produced some great moments over the last decade or so. And, uh, you know, without without going for it, you don't have those moments. Guys, I got to tell you, it was the most spectacular setting I've ever I've ever seen. We've been to some beautiful places. I love uh, Vancouver. I think it's one of the prettiest cities I've ever been to. Banff is unbelievable, but Tahoe was just incredible. I think you got to look at it half full, not half empty. Where you know they did, they took the risk, like Bettman had said, and I thought it was a heck of a statement on his part to be able to do this in the middle of the of the pandemic where you're trying to draw attention to your, your, your product, the products, the thing you got to keep people watching. So what a great setting. Did it go, did it go the wrong way because of the weather things you can't control? That's just the way things are, but you still got the exposure. You had your number one TV rating in the history of the uh, NBC contract. And you know what? Sometimes bad news draws as much attention as the good news. So that brand stayed in front, maybe not in a, a good way, but still it was there. We saw two good games, and that's what it's all about. Well, unfortunately, uh, the result wasn't what the Flyers would have hoped for, but uh, it was an event for sure. Billy, let's talk about the team a little bit, because before the COVID postponements, it looked like they were starting to take steps to where AV is trying to get them, closer to the game they were playing before the pause last March. Um I don't think the postponement hurt them so much. The game against uh, Boston and Tahoe, notwithstanding, they seem to have kind of picked up where they left off in trying to make those adjustments to their structure. Yeah, I think a lot of parts of, of the process have been a lot better, um, at least five on five. Yes, Buffalo's a struggling team. They didn't have Eichel for one of the games. So, you know, that, that's something that you don't control. You just go out and play the right way. And I thought the Flyers, you know, the Flyers were significantly the better team. They, once they once they built those leads in those games, the lead never felt in jeopardy in those games, you know. And then even in even in the first game in Pittsburgh, I thought the Flyers played overall solid first period. Um, you know, you go out and you score first in, in the second period, and you know it was it was a number of a number of mistakes, physical mistakes, mental mistakes that kind of piled up on them in the last game. Uh, the third period, you know, you score, you give one right back. And once the Flyers got it briefly back to three to two, it, it felt like the game was reachable again. The Flyers just really were their own worst enemies and to a large extent. But if you look, you look at the overall. I mean, I, I think that things are falling back in place now. I'd like to see going forward here, you know, getting getting the power play back on track to where they were about twenty five percent after ten games. 
Yeah, and they have struggled uh, since on the power play. You're right. That's uh, an area uh, of concern. Uh, Jimmy, there are a lot of statistical benchmarks during the course of a season. Uh, the shot differential was frightening the first uh, several weeks of the season. They seem to have turned that around, 38 shots or more in each of the last, what, four games. So uh, they have corrected something. They have, and and also not allowing as many shots uh, over that stretch. So, uh, I mean, they've significantly outshot their opponents. I would argue the first Pittsburgh game, the chances weren't quite uh, matching the shots. The Pen- Penguins had some great chances in that game. But uh, in general, yes, the process is getting better, and that you would think would lead to better results. It's been a weird year because the process certainly wasn't great early, and they were winning a lot of games. Sometimes the hockey gods will get you. So there may be some games coming back now where the Flyers outshoot teams and lose because uh, it just seems to even out that way. But it going in as you move toward the later part of the season into the playoffs, you want to have, obviously, the process uh, in the right direction. I'm really curious, Timmy, to see where we are with the combinations as we move forward. I know the Nolan Patrick to the wing thing. He seems to like Elaine Vigneault. I, I want to see him back at center. We saw it uh, in the Pittsburgh game once they changed up. I think now that you have a a, a – Pretty much a full crop of forwards. Morgan Frost is out, but pretty much a full crop of forwards. You have two good wingers you can put with Nolan Patrick on a third line where he's not going up against great competition all the time. To me, that is a, 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 a position to put him in uh, for success. Uh, you know, on the wing with two good players is fine, but I just think he's a, he's a center. So uh, hopefully they do that. And then, and then you look at the lineup. If you have a fourth line of Lawton, Obey, Cubell, and Raffle, to me, that's one of the better fourth lines around. So you, you have all that depth again, I think, if you stretch it out with, with Patrick at center. So we'll see if they do that. looks like perhaps they will uh, moving forward. And, and it's really going to be up to Nolan. I mean, he, he is so important to this team in terms of whether they have that depth or not. They can win without Nolan Patrick taking off, I suppose. But if they're going to be a true contender and have that three center depth and really four with Scott Lawton, they have to have Nolan Patrick obviously get his game back together they have to have Oscar Lindblom find his game too and there are, there are other players out there that need to step up and, and get back to where they were at some point in their career if not earlier this year like Travis Konechny um, but there is so much depth there so I think the process is getting better yes I think now that they're healthy they have good combinations and, and we'll see how it all falls out. Coach we've talked in our broadcast about who would have predicted at this point that the Flyers' top line would be James Van Riemsdyk, Sean Couturier, and Joel Farabee? It kind of signals a changing of the guard a little bit, doesn't it? Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, Farabee has been a spectacular player, I mean, in the, in the last uh, couple of weeks. And, you know, you back into it, basically, because of the loss of six players in your lineup. You try to bring two good lines together. Say, so, okay, let's put together Van Riemsdyk with Couturier and Farabee. And, boy, has it worked out. And there's a key. There's a key to that line. And I don't care who you put on that line, but Sean Couturier is the guy. Okay, he has arrived. We knew that for, for a lot of years that he was a great defensive forward. And I always say on the air that his father, who was a pro hockey player also, taught him how to play the game properly. At both ends of the ice, you watch him away from the play. He's always constantly involved. So the guys that are really benefiting him from are Van Riemsdyk, and Farabee. I mean, Farabee is a guy you can just see him blossoming now where he's, his confidence level, carrying the puck, where young guys usually just kind of chip the puck and look for things to happen. He's moving around. He's doing the things that that a young player with confidence is going to bring to your, your hockey club. So that's what's happening. And they backed into it. So let's hold on to it. But 
you know, anybody who gets a chance to play with Sean Couturier is going to benefit. You're only I, as good as who you play with, and that's a big key. I absolutely agree with you, but that's not to take anything away from the surprise so far this year. I mean, we all knew the the high end that Farabee has coming, but Van Riemsdyk's been better than I've ever seen him for yeah, an extended Tilly, period. I want to say this, and I totally agree with We know it's Dr. Couturier. Whoever you put with Sean Couturier, they, they get better. But when those two play with Scott Lawton, that was a great line, too. Uh, there's a chemistry between Van Riemsdyk and Farabee that I really like, and and obviously Sean Couturier is off the charts good right now. So the I, I, the, the tendency, really, I think maybe the temptation is to do you move those around because you have maybe your three best all. I I, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I am because James Van Riemsdyk now for two years running has not been just a score. He's a good all-around player right now. I feel comfortable with JVR out there up a goal as much as down a goal now. I don't think I would have said that two or three years ago, but I think I think his all-around game is there. Farabee has that intelligence, and Couturier, of course, one of the best in the league in terms of all-around. So you have maybe your three best two-way forwards on the same line now. Oscar Lindblom's another one, but you, you're going to have to figure out how to how to get the other lines to work, right? So it'll be interesting to see how, how they go. I don't think you touch it. It's too, too hot right now, that line, but a long-term, whether they stay together might depend on whether they can get these other lines going. I mean, very quickly, and I want to interrupt before Billy, is that it's interesting. We're talking about Van Riemsdyk, who's just absolutely on fire. I don't think there's anybody in the league that's got better hand-eye coordination and just understanding the position of standing in front of the goaltender to score goals. I mean, he's had some unbelievable goals. But that's interesting in saying that. So he's the best in the league is standing in front of the net right now, but we don't get the puck there. Yeah. And you wonder why the power play doesn't work. And, and I don't – it's not a matter of not getting the puck there. It's just attempting. And, I, I mean, the last couple of games you haven't seen that happen where that puck is being used to get to the net and allow him to be at his best. You have a choo-choo train in the background. What was that? There was a what? Was that a grandfather's clock or a train going through? Oh, my God. Clocks. We got <laughs> Just stay on the board here. You'll hear them all day. <laughs> Billy, what do you attribute Van Riemsdyk's uh, surge to? Well, I, he clearly had a great offseason. He came to camp in, in phenomenal shape. He, um, you know, all the details in his game, I mean, and Jim was alluding to it just now, but also also just protecting the puck and you know, all, all the little things. He's making, you know, to me, he's always been an underrated passer, and he's made some tremendous passes. He was a healthy scratch a few times during the playoffs. And although, you know, uh, although JVR was a super nice guy and a pretty laid-back guy, that gets to a player. And, and he took it to heart. He had, he, you know, I, I think he, he really came – something to prove and he's been doing it when the power play was working in the first 10 games when they were 25 percent they had the double net front going you know and that that really worked well um you know really really getting getting quality chances set up other than maybe the first power play in the, the first game in pittsburgh you know they really aren't they really aren't getting the looks and they're getting them they're passing up the shots in, in a lot of cases i mean really it's just uh Less is more. Keep it keep it simple. Sure, I, think. I think that's that's the key to getting getting that. Billy, I'm sorry to interrupt. We're having some uh, uh, Wi-Fi issues uh, with you cutting in and out. We'll we'll, we'll deal with it as best we can. Uh, on paper, the strength of this team has always been on the right side. But after Joel Farabee, there's your area of guys that you got to get going right. Konechny, we know about. Uh, Nolan Patrick now finds himself on the right side. He's without a goal in 12 games. And Jake Voracek only has two goals in the last 12. So it's a little bit of a mixed bag. Uh, maybe the key to getting the Flyers going on a run here might be that right side. 
Yeah, I think so. And oh, definitely. I mean, yeah. 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 I, I think you're looking at uh, uh, guys that obviously have it in them. So that's the good thing. Uh, rarely do you see a team where all the lines are going all at the same time. So I, I, I think we'll have a, a period of time here. Obviously, the first week of the season we did where Travis Connecty was red hot. Uh, we we got to get him going again. And as you mentioned, and and Jake Voracek and and we'll see what, where they go with all these line combinations. But uh you know, the, the talent's there. I think it's going to happen. Kevin Hayes' play is, is dropped, too. So in terms of up the middle, they got to get him with, with linemates that he's clicking with. So, uh, it, But it, I, you think you're confident it's going to happen. I mean, uh, they, they have so much talent there, and, and uh, we've seen it from all these players at one time or another. So we know it's in there. And uh, if they can dig it out and get it going and be all on the same page and, and be on some kind of role, maybe not all at the same time, red hot, but at least all playing pretty well. I like this team's chances because, they're, as I said, one through four, those lines are, are pretty darn good and, and in the depth everywhere else pretty good. And they got to get Carter Hart, obviously, back uh, up to snuff as well. Coltsy, you got your wish a little bit with uh, Shane Gostisbehere the last few games being bumped to that first power play unit. I've never seen a guy who plays so much better when the confidence is there, and clearly that's the case right now. Yeah, he's definitely back. He had a little bit of a tough time the other night with a couple of giveaways against Pittsburgh, but, I mean, he's definitely back. You can see he's up on his skates. He's, he's showing a confidence. And the only way – the reason I like that is having him on that number one uh, power play, and it's no offense to Ivan Provorov, but Goss's Bear brings that ability to be a little bit more creative. I think he's got a better shot. And he has an unbelievable ability to be able to keep the puck in when you least expect it. And if he can get back to where he was when he first became a Philadelphia Flyer and not miss the net from that position, I think he could be a true weapon at that spot. I mean, he got it a little bit loose with the, the missed shots for an awful long time. It really became a little annoying, quite frankly. But at the same time, if he can get to that spot, he's going to be a real big, big item at that spot for the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, I, I would say, Coatsy, though, that the Flyers' best power play defenseman, and he's, he's had a, other issues in other aspects of his game, but but it's been Eric Gustafson. He's the one guy who consistently, you know, finds an open guy, gets his shots on the net. It, it's hard for me still to have Ghost and Gus in the same lineup just because they have the same usage, the same, you know, same limitations in some sense. But, I mean, you know, in, in terms of producing on the power play, and, and, and getting pucks through and whatever, to me, us has been the guy who's been the most consistent at it. The last area I wanted to make sure we touched on, and Jimmy already kind of uh, broached this subject, Carter Hart's got two wins in his last six games. He's given up four or more goals seven times in 13 starts. Uh, growing pains or a reason to be concerned? I want to grab this one, Coach, or uh, Timmy, quickly, because – I do think this is almost perception becoming reality. I think early in the season, Carter brought a lot of this on with his tantrum in Boston. <laughs> I never really got the feeling watching the first three or four or five games that he played that he was struggling. They were playing terrible in front of him. They were giving up you know, 35 shots and really good chances, and he was making a lot of good saves, even though there were some pucks going in. But then as time rolls on, he has the tantrum. Everyone's talking about it. Brian Elliott seems to play so well every time he gets in there. The contrast starts to, to develop. And now, uh, at least in the social media realm, there's all this concern over Carter Hart. And his numbers are not very good. The outdoor game I'm going to throw out. Uh, Timmy, you were there. It didn't look like it was really a great great uh, venue to see the puck very well. And you know how Carter, it's all about tracking the puck. It didn't look like he was tracking it very well. So I'll throw that one out. 
But uh, even the game in Pittsburgh, the first game there, he gave up quite a few goals, but he also made a ton of great saves. I don't think he's been as bad as his numbers, but I do think because the numbers are where they're at and because he's a goaltender and because it's Philadelphia and because it's all this pressure that is starting to become perception, become a reality. We've got to avoid that because uh, then it becomes not a slump, but a bad season. And that's something the Flyers cannot afford to have from Carter Hart. So these are really important times for him to settle in. The, the, the shutout in Buffalo is huge. I didn't think he was overworked in that game, got a couple of breaks, but the bottom line from, from a mental standpoint, I thought it was huge. Needs to come back with some strong games. Now, again, gave up the goals in Pittsburgh. I didn't think he was particularly horrible in that game, but, but uh, you know, some weird goals, empty net kind of empty net goal was weird. Uh, uh, some deflections and weird things happening in front of him. So uh, I don't think he's been bad as, as bad as his numbers, but as a goaltender, you know, those numbers tell the story ultimately and eventually. And so there's concern. I do think he has it in him to turn this around, though. Coltsy, you've been around the league for 100 years now. Uh, there's never been a goalie that comes in without some peaks and valleys. This is nothing to be worried about. No, I, I, I don't think so. I think this is just part of the evolution of Carter Hart as far as a, a goaltending is concerned. I mean, Tommy Barrasso is probably the only guy I can think of in the top of my head that came right out of nowhere and ended up being a successful goaltender in the National Hockey League while going to the minors, uh, won a Stanley Cup with the Pittsburgh Penguins. And then another perfect example of a, a, a young player that got burned out is a guy that we had right here in Philadelphia was Steve Mason. Steve Mason never really, after his Calder Cup year or Calder Trophy year, he never really did anything after that. And, and I think he got burned out. He never learned how to play net. I think Carter Hart's in a great situation here with a good coach in, in Kim Dillonball. I think he's got a great mentor in, in Brian Elliott. And it's just a matter of going through the bumps that you have. I mean, it's a tough situation. The goaltending position, as long as I, in the hundred years I've been in this league, <laughs> has been the fact that it's the hardest thing to jump into the National Hockey League without any background of in the Mac in the American Hockey League. And it hasn't changed in those years. And as a result, this is just a blip. Well, they're going to continue this three-game set or complete the three-game set in Pittsburgh this week. And then they're going to come home where we will have fans in the building for the first time in a long time. Granted, only about 3,100. But boy, is that a welcomed uh, uh, step in the right direction. It is. Can't wait. Can't wait, Bill. I mean, you know, it's uh, even if it is only 31 or 2,800 or whatever, uh, by the time they, they take out the staff and all that. Uh, hey, I did games in the minors, Timmy. You did as well, where there were only twenty-five to three thousand people. It's still they still can make noise, and the people who've been going to Madison Square Garden say it's really been loud in there, even though there's only been that many people. So, uh, really looking forward to it. the energy has been missed for sure. I think sometimes you get you know the smaller crowd. You're talking American League. You know, sometimes you have small smaller crowds, but they're you know as you said, they create a lot of noise. They create a lot of energy. You know, it, it was noticeable in Pittsburgh, even though it was a small crowd. It was. Uh, you know, they, they were really into it, particularly I think everybody missed being at the games. And I think that that's, uh, I mean, that, that's a huge part of the atmosphere of the game. Going in, in the empty arena, they have the tarps up and visually, you know, visually it looks nice. But I mean, it's just, just something is lacking, you know, and, and it's really, you know, you you can, you can see what that is with, with fans back in. I mean, I, I think that um, even, even if it's small numbers that start and grows from there, I think that's just, that, that's just tremendous for the league and for players and for the fans themselves and, and for everybody. It's all good. Very well, simply, very simply, this is perfect for the players to get back to make the game a great game. Not saying it's not right now, but I think you're going to see a little bit more exuberance or a lot more exuberance for the, from the players now. Home ice becomes an advantage again. 
And it's great for the broadcasters because we can become part of the pageantry again and the excitement and for the fans because they've had a long wait to get back in to see. Well, fingers crossed we're through the worst of this COVID and uh, the Flyers now healthy can continue to trend in the right way. With our latest broadcasters roundtable for Jim Jackson, Steve Coates, Bill Meltzer, I'm Tim Saunders. Enjoy the games. The preceding program is an original production of the Flyers Broadcast Network. You can find this and other programs available on demand at flyersbroadcastnetwork.com.